0: I'm Crystal Escobar and this is episode number 11, One Size Doesn't Fit All. And just want to warn you guys, this topic may be a little controversial. Welcome to the Wannabe Balanced Podcast, encouraging you to become the best version of yourself as you strive for balance in motherhood and business. Self-made millionaires, Sean and Crystal Escobar, will help you discover your passion and offer valuable insight into how you can make your dreams come true. And now, your host, author, blogger, YouTuber, and wannabe balanced mom, Crystal Escobar. Welcome to another episode. This week, I have my handsome husband, Sean, with me again. He will continue to grace us with his presence about every third episode or so did you guys know that his name means gift from god
1: don't laugh it does
0: (laughs) he's god's gift to you to women just kidding (laughs) that's one thing that i've actually really loved about sean is that he has never been like the really cocky conceited type of person it's very attractive It is.
1: (laughs) Oh, I thought you said he's very attractive.
0: I said it's a very attractive quality to be as good looking as you are and (laughs) not be conceited. Okay, so today we wanted to share a little inside scoop of what life is like for us as members of the LDS Church. And we plan to get really honest and open about some of the things that we've struggled with over the years and also what we've gained by being members of this church. And I understand that not all of you are LDS, but perhaps you're just a little curious about what life really looks like as members of a, of a church that once practiced polygamy. Warning. This episode might stir up a bit of controversy, which as members of this church, we are quite used to. Our intentions are in no way geared to bashing the church or our fellow members. But again, we plan to get really honest and talk about some of the changes the church has made recently and how we feel about the future of the Mormon church. Also, I want you all to know that Although some of the opinions we are about to express may be controversial, we absolutely have a testimony of the truthfulness of the Book of Mormon and that Joseph Smith was a prophet of God. So just recently, I had a bit of a meltdown after hearing about the mission president who sexually assaulted some sister missionaries. And basically, I was living in a bubble.
1: Well, that was in the 80s. Just so you make sure you clarify. Oh, that it happened
0: in the 80s, but it recently came out. That's right. Yeah. So basically, I was living in a bubble, and I quite liked my bubble. I loved believing that all members of the LDS Church, especially ones who hold high callings, such as mission presidents and bishops, are the salt of the earth, wonderful, amazing people. And I know deep down inside that men are imperfect, no matter their religious beliefs, But I just wanted to believe that the LDS Church undoubtedly protects men against temptations such as this. I was a bit shook up at first, but I know where my testimony lies. And it lies in the truthfulness of the Book of Mormon. It's only when we focus so much of our attention and base our testimonies on the actions of others that we are easily swayed and tempted to jump ship. So our goal in today's message is to remind you of the foundation of the church and how our focus needs to shift to our own spiritual journey, which looks different for each member.
1: We titled this episode, One Size Doesn't Fit All. And the reason we did that is because Crystal and I feel like we have a unique perspective on our faith. Uh, Being that my parents were both uh, converts, first-generation converts to the LDS Church. And Crystal and I both were pretty much uh, not active, not actively going to church and participating in, in those activities uh, until the age of, I think I was about 17 and a half or 18, and Crystal was probably about the same, weren't you? Mm-hmm. So we have a unique perspective on things, and we've dealt with a lot. And we've, we've actually, I would also say we... Uh, have experienced things that most people who were predominantly raised in the LDS church and, you know, and they, that was their normal, um, maybe they didn't, you know, experience things that we have or, or did things that we did or even sinned as we did, you know, before. Uh, so it gives us such a unique perspective on the picture overall. And we can see some things in the faith. Um, that we think are potentially you know, problems and could be driving people away from the church. I just want to quickly make that note that um, I, overall, I understand the church is growing. I think predominantly that, that growth uh, is overseas, um, maybe not so much in the U.S. I mean, I'm sure that members are joining in the U.S., but I also know that there's tremendous amount of attrition, and I'm going to talk about why I think that so many people are, are falling away, especially those people in their 20s and 30s. We've seen it. Uh, Crystal and I have seen it. It is blatantly apparent. It is undeniable. So many of our friends, uh, so many married couples of our, our friends have left this faith. And uh, we're going to talk you know a little bit about some of the reasons why that might be. And I think it's unfortunate that so many people are quick to point a finger and just say, oh, those people couldn't cut it, or, oh, those people don't have faith. Um, because I don't think that's necessarily the case, uh, not, even, not even the majority of the time. Um, and again, we'll go into those reasons. First of all, I wanna make sure that everybody knows that the church is good. Uh, the, the Mormon church, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is good. And it does so much good. In the world and in communities, and it is all about family. It is all about uh, family values. It's all about Christianity and service, and you know, becoming like Christ and overcoming our our uh, you know human nature and our fallacies and you know all these things that that haunt us and all these things that you know hold us down and hold us back in life. Becoming a better father, becoming a better mother, becoming a better spouse. Um, serving your fellow man, so these are all predominantly the church is good. And I want to make sure that that's known as far as we're concerned. That's, you know, what attracted us to this faith. Uh, The sad reality is that people, when they fall away from the faith, it's the strangest phenomenon. When people fall away from the faith, they don't just wish it well and go on their way and live their life. what I've seen the majority of the time is the people that fall away, um, as we call it, fall away or leave, um, they become very antagonistic against the church. And, uh, you know, for instance, I bump into a guy at the gym um, and, oh, hi, how are you? Good, you know, and, and he proceeds to tell me that he that he stopped going to the church. And then he feels, you know, he feels as though he has to be compelled to Tell me all the reasons why he left and all the offenses that he felt and all this, you know, and, and, and it's too bad. It's too bad that people feel like they have to justify that to that extent and, and even become very antagonistic and retaliate. And I've seen that on so many occasions that people don't just leave, they become very antagonistic and they become, you know, very sour and, and they want to take people away with them. Yeah. You see? Uh Not only do they want to leave, it's like, well, I left and and I'm going to convince you to leave too. Mm -hmm. And that's unfortunate. It doesn't have to be that way. Um, Also, I need to make sure everybody knows, as far as we're concerned, the majority of the church leaders are good. They're good people. So, this stuff about this, you know, MTC, Missionary Training Center president, or anything else that might come up, you got to understand. That's not the majority of church leaders. And the majority of church leaders didn't ask to be in the callings that they're in. They were called to be in the callings that they're in. They're lay leaders. They don't get paid to do it. It's called lay leadership. And they have jobs. And then they try to do the best they can to serve their local communities in, in those callings. But, you know, these are not bad people. They're not. So to paint this picture like, you know, it's like saying that all Catholic priests are bad because of the Catholic priest. You know, that big thing. Oh, they're all bad. Oh, all Catholics are, you know, gross and molesters. That's That couldn't be further from the truth. But the media does paint that picture, don't they? Mm-hmm. And obviously anybody that might have left the Catholic Church, yeah, they'll they'll use that as ammo, mm-hmm. ammunition, to, yeah. to get their point across. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I've got some things I want to cover here, but Crystal, do you have anything you wanted to add No, there?
0: that's good. Okay.
1: So first of all, first and foremost, um, I have a testimony of the Gospel of, of uh, you know, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Um, I want to make sure that everybody knows that. Um, my testimony was not a result of me being raised in this faith. It, it is not because my mom or dad said so. Uh, I received answers to my personal prayers um, on, I can think of two very specific Situations, or you know, manifestations, revelations—call it what you will—where God literally, directly um, answered my personal prayers in such a way that I cannot deny it. Um, I, I couldn't. Like I would be lying to God. I, I would if I ever denied the those things that that I personally received. I'm not saying everybody will or should receive those kinds of things but I on two different occasions I received manifestations personal um, about when I read the Book of Mormon and another you know another time when I was questioning whether or not um, this particular church was true for me and if I denied what I what I received you know you know dare I mock God as, as the scriptures might say so I'll go my whole life and even if I you know, May not be the perfect Mormon person. I'm certainly not, and I can't deny what what I received. Um, so, with that said, it is a demanding faith. Um, the The Mormon Church is very demanding of its members, and um, I'm going to talk a little bit about that, and I'll let Crystal chime in on that as well. But let me just give you a few things that um, are required of of Mormon members. So, they're required. Mormon people are required to go to church every Sunday for three hours, um, or they're you know maybe it's not absolutely a requirement, but but that's what you're kind of expected to do. Mm-hmm. Um, you're expected to pay your tithing, which is ten percent of your increase or your income. Uh, you're also expected to um, avoid uh, things like coffee, tea, alcohol, um, drugs. Am I missing anything? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Things of that nature, yeah. you know, there's a health code that we have to, um, that we uh, subscribe to. Uh, then there's also, you know, things like, um, there's little things like you're supposed to do your, your. We, we used to have this thing called home teaching and visiting teaching, so you were assigned to go visit different families. You're supposed to be doing your missionary work, um, which is sharing the faith with other people. Uh, you're supposed to be reading your scriptures on a daily basis and saying your prayers. They also, those that are actively involved in the faith, you're supposed to uh, have a calling. A calling is like, you know, they basically say, this is your job in the church. And you don't get paid to do it, of course, but, um, you know, you might... Crystal, for 10 years, served in the nursery. I mean, it really... (laughs) It wore her out. I mean, I finally had to go to the church leadership. With, at the time, I thought, well, this is probably, <laughs> you know, this is probably not what they want. But I went to the church leadership and said, please, not the nursery anymore. My wife needs to, to go to Relief Society and be around the other women once in a while. Yeah. Ten straight years in the nursery. Um, so there's, you know, you got Cub Scouts. You know, there's so many different things that, you know, you're supposed to go to the temple. And in order to be, you know, active in the temple, you have to re- meet a certain requirement as it pertains to worthiness. And, you know, and then at 18 years old, the, the boys in the church go on mission. And 19 years old, a lot of the women, uh, I know a good portion of the young women go on missions for 18 months and the boys for two years. And so that, is, that in, in and of itself is such a huge, huge requirement in terms of a, a, an active faith.
0: Mm-hmm. Send your
1: kids away, you yeah, know? yeah. And so I could go on and on if I wanted to go with you know through this with a fine tooth comb. I think you you would find, and those of you that are active in the faith, you are obviously you know that ours is one of the most um, demanding faiths that there is uh, because there's just so it's a lifestyle faith.
0: Yeah, which breeds refinement, you know. So. It definitely requires a lot of us, but I think you can find a lot of people that are highly refined within the LDS church.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you can find, I, I agree. I agree that, you know, rough stones that are smoothed over and so forth, but you can also find, you know, in my opinion, it also can breed some problems. Yeah. And I want to talk about a few of those problems that this kind of thing breeds. Like, for instance, you know, being a mom is enough. (laughs) <laughs> right? You're yeah. a mom of four. Now, imagine that you didn't have our faith, okay? Imagine that you weren't an active individual in our faith, and you had four kids. You're busy enough. Mm-hmm. You've got soccer. You've got dance. You've got piano. You've got school. You've got homework.
0: House cleaning and meals. And <laughs> Oh, my gosh.
1: You know, and, and you're a taxi cab driver. You're a glorified mm-hmm. taxi cab driver. You're driving people here, there. You've got all the friends to, to manage, you know, there's so much put on young families on their plates. You got, you know, not, not, not to mention, you know, most moms work,
0: mm-hmm. right? Yeah.
1: So many moms, they work either full-time or part-time. And, you know, they got to contribute to that family household income. So when you combine that with your moms are already busy, moms are already wearing themselves thin, and burning the candle at both ends, and then you add to that all of the requirements and all of the, you know, extra things you have to do in our faith, It it is quite the challenge. Um, and this is why, in my opinion, we want to talk a little bit about culturally, you know, our faith culturally. Uh, Utah is one of the, probably the most predominantly Mormon place in the world, and you uh, Coincidentally, Utah is also the largest consumer overall per capita population of, uh, pharmaceutical drugs in the United States. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. There's an opioid crisis in, in, uh, Utah right now. And the government and the church and everybody's just up in arms about it because, I mean, people are literally chronically addicted to painkillers, um, they're addicted to antidepressants. They're addicted to Anti- anxiety meds. Yeah. Um, you know, you name it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, you know, you this is interesting because I think this is the way that Mormon people are self-medicating. Mm-hmm. They can't have the alcohol to take that edge off. They can't, you know, they can't have the what have you. And as a result of that, they, you know, they're self-medicating in secret. Mm-hmm. They're not telling anybody. Yeah. You know, and only the honest ones, we know the honest ones, and they'll tell you they're doing it. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, some of the people that are on these meds, they need them. And they might have chemical imbalances or hormonal imbalances, but it's not coincidental. Again, it's not coincidental that the majority of, you know, the the, the largest consumer, and it's been this way for years. I mean, my father is a health professional. He studies this stuff. He studies such statistics. We keep eyes on, you know, any kind of health uh, things in the newspaper. It's been this way for, for as long as we can remember, Utah has been that way. They consume these, and, and so why? Why? Well, here's something that's sad within the, you know, the culture of the LDS church here, especially in, the, in Utah. You know, you've got these super moms, and moms have it, <laughs> Women. My wife, Crystal, my mom. I mean, they have this natural tendency to compare. You know, it's one of their faults. Men inherently have pride. Men inherently have ego. Men inherently, you know, and so on. Women inherently, and sorry if any of you take offense to this, women inherently, they compare. (laughs) Women inherently are
0: jealous.
1: (laughs) Women inherently gossip. I don't know what it is, but... I, I find it even, you know, even outside of the uh, Mormon faith. Everybody thinks it's a Mormon thing, but I work with women all over the country. I mean, I've got a huge organization of women, and gossiping is a woman's... If it wasn't for women, believe you me, gossip magazines wouldn't be in business because men are not buying <laughs> them. Men don't give a crap about what Angelina J- Jolie is, is doing with her kids. Or,
0: or the Kardashians. <laughs> we
1: don't care. That's not our interest. Okay, so men gossip too, but not not like you know. We all have our flaws, and some of them are just kind of inherent. Um, so, women compare, and that's not fair. Social yeah, media. That's a
0: good yeah, women I just thought compare, of that. Women <laughs> That's not fair.
1: I just thought of that. Social media is not fair. Social media is not fair, and comparisons to other women are not fair. And that's I think one of the underlying problems that we face in our culture is you might look at a woman, you might be feeling overwhelmed, you might be feeling exhausted, you might be feeling so burdened. And you know, here you are, you got (laughs) to, you know, those of you that are active in our faith, you'll just kind of chuckle because, you know, Saturday night, your kids want to hang out late with their friends, and they want to party and not party party, but they want to, you know, do (laughs) kid stuff. And, You know, you might set a curfew of 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock. Some of you might have one or two o'clock. I don't know. You know, I I think a lot of the high school age kids are staying out till one o'clock in the morning. But then, you know, come the next day, Sunday, crack of dawn, you got to wake them all up at seven o'clock in the morning to get them all fed and ready for church by nine o'clock. Get them all dressed. Some of you have four, five, six kids. Even if you have two kids, it's a struggle. And, you know, so you're exhausted. You're burned out. You're fried. You're, And it's funny because you, get, you go to church, you show up late, you sit in the back and you look up there and there's the, you know, we'll just call them the Smiths, who somehow, some way make it look easy. You know, the, the Smith family who somehow, some way, you know, their kids' hair are perfect and they're all dressed perfect and their kids sit there reverently and your kids are going nuts in the back. <laughs> Or you just stick an iPad in front of them to, you know, suffice them and and kind of muzzle them, right?
0: (laughs) Am I right? (laughs) Yeah. And
1: and so women especially, they see this. And I know based on my experience being married for, you know, 14 years that women see this and they, you know, they kind of look down on themselves. And they think, oh my gosh, you know, how does she do it? How does she pull that off? Mm -hmm. She's so amazing. She's so perfect. And um, so I'm not saying it's right, wrong, good, bad. I'm just saying it it exists.
0: And I think that there's certain times where I feel either inspired by someone or I feel resentful towards somebody that looks so perfect. And I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just that time of the month. Or (laughs) (laughs) sometimes I can see another woman and be like, wow, I'm so inspired by her. And I just... I want to learn from her and it's uplifting. But then other times I found myself just feeling like, oh yeah, she thinks she's so perfect or, you know.
1: So I don't know why. I'm just going to say it. Judgment in our faith is predominantly a Utah thing. I lived in Virginia for two years. Crystal lived in Germany. I know so many people that moved to Utah from other states. They moved here and they'll tell you the church culture is different outside of Utah than it is inside of Utah. Not in a good way. I mean, it's different in a good way. It's different outside of Utah in a good way. Because for whatever reason, there's a lot of judgment in the church in Utah. A lot of judgment. And I don't know what it stems from. The I, I, only thing I can think of, because I've, I've read a lot about human psychology and I've done a lot of personal development, and the only thing I can think of is insecurities people having insecurities you know about their their own faith and their relationship with their faith and how they're doing and and so maybe you know satan or what have you maybe it makes them feel good to to see the bad in others maybe it makes them feel mm-hmm. like you see i'm not, i'm i'm not i'm doing a good job because so and so does this yeah. i was once <laughs> it's funny because i was very active in my faith at the time and i was out sweeping my porch Let's just call it doing a little yard work, okay? I won't even try to sugarcoat it. I was out in my front yard doing a little yard work.
0: On oh, Sunday.
1: On Sunday, thank you. And uh, across the street comes this this uh, woman who is a member of my faith and a mother of maybe five kids or whatever, and she comes across the street. And, and uh, I'm not going to say a name or let you know who it was because Crystal like panics about such things. Like, Oh, my gosh, they're going to listen to this. But <laughs> anyway, uh, if you're out there... So-and-so, you know who I'm talking about.
0: <laughs> you know who you are.
1: But anyway, she comes across the street. She literally, and I think, oh, how nice. She's coming to say hi or whatever. Comes across the street. This is what she says to me. Sean, You do you have enough blessings? That's what she says to me. First thing out of her mouth, do you have enough blessings? And I go, I wouldn't even know what she was talking about. I'm like,
0: yeah. You're like, uh, yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah. Yeah, very blessed. And then she goes, huh, just wondering why you're doing work on Sunday. And then she proceeds to turn around and walk away. And I'm like, what just happened? Like, you've got to be kidding me. But this is the kind of crap, and I don't know what else to call it. This is the kind of garbage that could actually exist. Maybe it happens in other faiths, too. I mean, I don't know. But the judgment, the self-righteousness, the holiness, holier-than-thou attitude, it's unfortunate, you know, because what she may not realize is, you know, maybe I wasn't brought up the way she was brought up. Maybe, maybe, you know, like my parents, I was raised, my parents swore. I was raised, my grandpa drank beer, never was without a beer in his hand. You know, Crystal, same thing. I mean, a lot of her family was never active in this faith. Like, we've seen... The other side and i think most people that join this church as converts they seem the other side and for someone to come and harp on you and judge you for something like that like <laughs> shame mm-hmm. shame 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 on you and this is where we kind of you know talk about that one size only doesn't fit mm-hmm. right
0: one size doesn't fit all
1: one size only does not fit all wait, wait.
0: One size doesn't fit all. That's no, what I said. It just it doesn't sound right. It does sound only nice. one size only doesn't fit all. Huh. <laughs> this is where we talk about.
1: <laughs> this is where we talk about one size not fitting all. Yeah. Because you got people you don't know their backgrounds. You never lived to walk a day in their shoes. You don't know where they're coming from. But come on, I mean we're all human. We all make mistakes, and everybody, I don't care who you are, we all make mistakes. Um, and this kind of ties into this whole Peter priesthood, you know, Molly Mormon type, profile type person. We all know them, right? They're the, the people, again, it's that Smith family, you know, you might have a, a guy that he just appears to do nothing wrong. And you almost think that person's not human. That person's not relatable. That person's too stiff. There's just something off. There's something that's not right. Um, and I just wonder, I don't think these people are intentionally trying to turn people off. I don't. But, like, those types of people, as far as I'm concerned, they make it look hard to live the gospel. Like, I I can't be that person. It's me. I never like to go to church, just being honest. I don't enjoy it. I never enjoyed it when my mom tried to make me go when I was 7 or 11 or 13. I always hated it. And you know to this day, Crystal, I don't enjoy it. And when Sunday comes, you know, I'm not looking forward to going to church, nor am I looking forward to putting on those dress clothes. I don't enjoy wearing dress clothes, and I don't enjoy going and sitting in, in those types of formal meetings for three consecutive hours. And, uh, you know, but I try to go. I'm not going to say I go all the time, and I'm, not, I'm certainly not going to say that, you know, that, uh, that I really, really enjoy it. I just, I mean... I'm just being honest and, and shame yeah. on me shame 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 for saying that I don't enjoy that but that's yeah. one of the problems in our faith is shame and guilt right mm-hmm. the shame and the guilt and
0: yeah. you know
1: we kind of feel like we don't measure up and it makes us feel guilty mhm and that's just not a good place to be in i don't think that christ jesus christ did not if, if if we mess up i've often said crystal we were put on this earth to sin and you always say what the heck does that
0: mean <laughs> right it sounds to me, I interpret it like, okay, let's just go sin like crazy because that's why we're here. Yeah,
1: but but we don't do that. But and... the way
0: you mean it is like what we've talked about before. Like this, here our life on earth is a classroom, not a test. But we have been taught a lot of our lives that we're here to be tested, which sounds really harsh and scary. And like, well, what if we fail? But I just think that the way you mean that... Um, The term that you share is that we are here to learn and we don't need to focus so much on whether or not we're gonna pass the test.
1: Yeah, have you ever heard it said in faith that God knows what you're gonna do before you do it? How does that affect free agency? How does that affect you know predestination? I mean you think about these things like God, God might say, well I already knew that Eve was gonna partake of the forbidden fruit. Well, What was the test for? (laughs) <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So all I'm trying to say is that, you know, we're imperfect beings. We <laughs> sin every day. We do. I think mm-hmm. most Mormon people, if, if you talk about repentance, they only think about grievous sins. But they don't think about coveting and jealousy and self-righteousness as, as you know, such sins. But if you yeah. think about Jesus Christ when he walked and lived on the earth, what, was, what did he find most abhorrent? It wasn't the sinners, it's so interesting. He didn't go around saying, ew, sinner, ew, sinner, ew, you go to rated R movies, <laughs> you gamble. You know." He didn't, he yeah. loved and associated with those people that were the sinners and guess who he found most abhorrent, who was it? The Pharisees and the Sadducees, who were the religious people who pointed their fingers at other people saying they're not good enough. They're not trying hard enough. They don't measure up. Shame, 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 shame. Let's stone them. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So this is interesting when you think about it. Not to justify sin, but if you've sinned or you keep sinning, you know, <laughs> we're human. And that's, that's why Christ walked the earth and why mm-hmm. he atoned for our sins is to make up for all these things. And yes, I believe, in, I believe we're supposed to, you know, overcome sin. Mm-hmm. And we're supposed to be able to turn away from sin and, you know, learn from sin. And, and I believe that and kind of like you said, refine ourselves.
0: Yeah, and I think it ties into the principle, there must be opposition in all things. You know, by, by sinning, it, we kind of learn that we don't like it that way. And I can speak from personal experience, there was a few years in my life where I was completely on the opposite end of spirituality. And so now looking back, I don't actually regret those few years of living the way I did because I now know even more how sweet the gospel is. You know, you can't know the sweet without the bitter. So that's what I think you mean by sinning. You know, we... Sometimes we need to sin so that we can appreciate how sweet the gospel is when we live it. We're
1: going to sin. I sinned. You sinned. So anyway, we're talking again about the guilt and the shame. Um, And by the way, Peter Priesthoods, Molly Mormons, you know, these people that appear to be so perfect, they're really not. We all know it. Um, So don't compare yourself to them. And by the way, don't judge them because a lot of these people are really good people. You know, and I've, I've come to find that, that even though they may be stiff, they may... Mitt Romney's a perfect example. Why did he not get elected president? I don't... I think it's because he's too stiff. I think it's because he, he comes across unrelatable. People think, what what is he? Is he made of plastic? Doesn't seem normal. Doesn't seem human. And, you know, and towards the end, he tried to show you as human. He started drinking Diet Coke in public and stuff like that, but messing his hair up a little bit. But, you know, and all that stuff did help, but overall by the way
0: we are big fans of Mitt Romney
1: (laughs) I didn't say I wasn't
0: it sounded like you're making fun of him in a way I'm not making fun
1: of him it's just a reality I (laughs) I truly believe that that's why he didn't get elected and I think that's one of the you know what I mean it's just Uh people uh, the leadership in our faith can come across very unrelatable why why have my favorite uh church leaders over the years always been the ones that crack jokes the Dieter F. Uchtdorfs, the Gordon B. Hinckley's, the Thomas S. Monson's, I love these kinds of personalities because they have a lightheartedness and they're not afraid to crack jokes and be, you know, normal and vulnerable and human. You know, whereas the really rigid stiff ones, and I won't say any names because I don't mean any offense, but uh, they do not I just don't find them relatable and I kind of feel like, jeez, you know, if that's how you got to be, I don't belong in this church.
0: Yeah, but that also ties into the topic of this podcast Episode is that some people actually might really like that type of person, and that's why we need all different types within our church because there's certain people that we relate to, and there's certain people that we don't, but it can be the total opposite with each individual.
1: If you were to say to me, Sean, there are tens of thousands of Generation X and Y people, and couples, and families leaving the LDS church. Most people don't want to hear that, they don't, they won't acknowledge it, they won't, they, they don't believe it, um, but I believe it to be the case, myself, and I'm just trying to share some of the reasons why I think that is. I had a bishop once that was very, he was a convert, and he could relate to me, and he could understand where I was coming from, and I felt loved. I've also had priesthood leaders who come across very rigid and judgmental and uh, condescending, I have uh, me from my perspective I want I want to stop the bleeding. I just wish people felt like they could be themselves and and you know and imperfect and still belong in this faith. I said this in my post the other day I, I wish for a church uh, that was a sanctuary for sinners, a hospital for sinners, uh, you know not just as they call it a, a sanctuary for saints, not just the perfect that are that are crossing off every single, you know, line and, and mm-hmm. you know, checking off every box that they're the only ones that belong. Mm-hmm. I, I hope for a church that people could drink their beer or their wine and still feel comfortable coming to church or come to church smelling like cigarette smoke. That church does not exist right now for me. It, do, it just doesn't. And I don't drink wine and I don't smoke, but mm-hmm. this is my point. Yeah. You see what I'm saying?
0: And I think there are a lot of accepting and non-judgmental Mormons, but there are also a lot of really judgmental ones that that turn people away. Yeah, and it only
1: takes a few. That's yes. the sad part. A mm-hmm. few bad apples can sure ruin the whole barrel.
0: Mm-hmm. And it
1: only takes a few. It takes one person in gospel doctrine, one person in gospel, you know, essentials, or whatever, who just takes that radical, fanatical approach and voices those opinions and everybody feels guilt and shame and they feel like they don't belong. Mm-hmm. It's unfortunate. It really is. And I saw that in gospel doctrine once. I just saw this guy and he just sat there honoring with his arms folded and he just kept, you know, here's the the, the teacher and he's trying his darndest to bring about the spirit and, and really a message. And there was just one guy who, you know, he was just being fanatical and over the top and basically saying, look, if you can't cut it, we don't want you, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. we're trying to separate the weeds from the, the tares or whatever. We, mm-hmm. we don't want you. If you can't cut it, get a life. We don't want you. And I'm like, that's not what the gospel is, though. I have a hard time with that. So Crystal always panics because I can see her Her energy right now is panicking.
0: <laughs> well, I know you, and I you know, I know you have very strong opinions, and yeah. I was willing to do this episode, but also knowing that you could go off on a tangent. And <laughs> Well,
1: listen... I don't know if people agree with me or not. And, yeah. and I'm okay with that. You mm-hmm. see what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm okay with that. It's what I see. It, it. I'm not saying I'm absolutely 100% right. I'm not saying that it's my way or the highway, but I'm also saying that I see, I see things that, you know, now let's talk about this real quick, Crystal, and, mm-hmm. and don't worry because you're going to be okay. <laughs> okay. There's some dark parts of our history in our church. There are. Yeah. We're still squirming. Well, She's to squirming me, in chair. The polygamy
0: seems dark to me. I don't like polygamy. knowing that that's part of our past. And, well,
1: you're not the only one. It's interesting because you mentioned polygamy, and women squirm and they look away and they don't want to talk about it. They want to pretend it never happened,
0: mm-hmm.
1: they don't want to believe it ever happened. And it's such a predominant part of our history if you really think about it, you know? And I'm not saying that we need to talk, you know, predominantly about that. But what I am saying is that there's some dark parts of our history of our church. There's dark parts of the U.S. government. There's dark parts of the Catholic Church. There's dark parts of everything. Yeah. There are. And to sit here and pretend like, our again, our faith is perfect. See, the church used to always say to people, if they had questions about our church or about the doctrine or concerns, the church used to always just say, well, you need to just have faith. And this is what's interesting. Um, It felt so dismissive to people. And I'm not afraid to read it. You know, like I said, I have a testimony of the gospel. I can't deny the the answers to prayers that I received. So I'm not afraid to read anti-Mormon literature because I am totally secure in my faith. Mm -hmm. I am. So show me anything. And I'll, you know, it's not like I'll say it didn't happen, but I can still believe because I, I know that you know people in our faith are men mm-hmm. our, our church is predominantly run by men and I think that's evolving and changing too And people squirm and they go oh you're you're you know you're questioning the church I don't think I am I think if you look at the church's history over the last 200 years so many things have changed so many things have changed so who's to say that women aren't going to make a take a more predominant role in our faith you know, predominantly, women's lives they have a real hard time with our faith. Really hard, because it's all run by men. Men leadership, men this, men that all the time. Men sit at the front, men men, men everything. And a, me as a man, I look at that, and I was thinking the other day, Crystal, I thought, you know, here's my, my, my girls, Lily and Brooklyn, and I want them to believe they're every bit as good as men. Every bit as powerful. Every bit as everything, favorable in God's eyes and so forth. And for me to just say, well, you know, uh, yes, but in our faith, you are subject to the priesthood. Well, okay, you know, I I don't know how I feel about that right now, to be honest. I'm just being honest. I don't know how I feel about that. Mm -hmm. But that's okay. It doesn't mean I don't have a testimony, right? Yeah. But I, I, I hope for change, and I think that change is coming. And change has come in the last 200 years, guys. We don't need to cover it all, but go read the church essays that the church has put out. There's a reason on LDS.org the church is putting out essays, and there's a handful of them, there's probably a dozen of them, I don't know, but the church is trying to address issues that it has in the history of the church. And when people come with you to you with issues, they're not just looking for reasons to leave the faith. These, some of these are sincere concerns. And you know what I think? I think it's good to sometimes say, we, we screwed up, we made mistakes, We weren't perfect. Mm -hmm. What if I told you Joseph Smith made mistakes that didn't look good on the church? And people go, no, don't say that. And I'm like, but he did. Study history. He did. It's true. He was a man. He even sinned. He even admitted he sinned in his journals and so forth. And people go, oh, no, 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 don't say that. You can't say that. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, what is with people? Why are they so insecure? I can still have a testimony that he was a prophet and did all these miraculous, wonderful things. The prophets of old were men and they sinned and they, they made mistakes.
0: You know what I mean? Yeah, like, that's not. We just put them about. on such high pedestals that we think they're not. We think supposed they're like immortal, sin. right? Yeah.
1: So study those those essays. Why? Because I'm not. I'm not looking for you to leave the faith. I'm not. I'm saying let's get comfortable with our faith.
0: Yeah, get thicker skin. I think that's your message. You know, we need to we need to have thicker skin so that we aren't swayed by the the history of the church or. Not
1: just that. We not just that, Crystal. I think. Even taking that more at a fundamental, uh, you know, from a fundamental perspective, we need to make that we need to have this gospel serve us in our lives. The church should should work in our lives, and and if it's not working for you, then I think you're not being true to yourself. I do, and if if you you know if there's certain things that are just really making you feel like you don't belong maybe it's uh, it has more to do with your belief system and you know and maybe you just need to be more like you said more comfortable in your own skin mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. stop worrying about other people stop worrying about what other people think of you yeah crystal knows this i'm not afraid to go shopping on sunday i'm i'm just not i'm not i'm not justifying it i'm not saying it's right i'm not saying other people should do it i'll go buy something on sunday Shame, shame, shame on me. I, I don't know. I mean, I just, I do. I do. I'm just being honest, right? Mm-hmm. But maybe there's worse things I could be doing, you know? And, yeah. and, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't mean to justify it. It's, you know, yeah. according to the LDS church, you shouldn't go spending money on Sundays. You know, the message that I hope to get across is to to be Christian Um, And I think that the current heads of the church, I think they they get it. I think they understand why people... I do. Why did they okay Diet Coke? Why did they start serving Diet Coke and Coca-Cola on the BYU campus? Why now did God say there was a revelation from God, you know, like blacks should receive the priesthood. The BYU campus should have caffeinated cola. I don't think so. I don't think God intervened and said... By golly, we need caffeine on that campus. <laughs> These students need to stay awake for their tests and stuff. I don't believe it. But what I do believe is that the heads of the church are trying to meet us, the members that are trying to live the faith in terms of administration, in terms of, you know, uh, you, you talk, you know, there's the gospel, and then you have procedure and administration and things of that nature. and I think, I do. I think the church heads are trying to say, you know, we need to meet people where they are. We need to meet people halfway. We need to make this, make this doable. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like think about polygamy. The church could have said, we're never getting rid of polygamy. Throw us in jail. That's what a lot of the polygamists did, the FLDS and so forth. They said, throw us in jail. We don't care. It's what we believe. But why did the church, why did they change on that? Now, a lot of people would say, well, God commanded it. And You know, again, it's me, Sean, you know, the objective thinker, but I don't know, you know, could the church have really grown and filled the earth and become a beacon to all nations if we kept practicing polygamy? Think about that. Yeah. Right? If we just were stiff and stern and said, no changing, God doesn't change. We don't change. Sorry, I'm bonking. (laughs) So you think about these things. I think it's healthy to think about these things. I do. Yeah. Personally. I agree. I do. And Crystal gets insecure, and she gets all worked up, and she starts to think like, oh, my gosh. Well,
0: because I just am used to living in a bubble. I like living in a bubble. I like I like it. It's comfortable. But I also can see your point of view. Like, you know what? Maybe it's okay to, to know about the things that happen and to have thicker skin around it, become more confident in our religion and strengthen my own testimony and... Um, and not base it on the actions of members or what has happened in the history or the the sins of you know priesthood holders and things like that.
1: I mean, I'm I'm gonna throw one out there and Crystal may just oh my gosh she might explode. Oh no. I, I personally look forward to the day where we don't have three hour church and I think it's coming and I don't I'm not afraid to say it. <laughs> I'm really not. Because church, did you know that, you know, back in the early days of the church, did you know that church was an all-day affair? And not only that, they also had church worship at the church on Wednesdays, I think it was, in the evenings. People would go to church all day, Crystal. Sunday, it was all day. Now it's only three hours. We should be grateful. But, I mean, you hear it all over the church. Oh, God, you know, three hours out of my... I work all week. I don't see my spouse. She's working all week. I hardly get to see my kids with soccer, this and that. Saturday is devoted to yard work and soccer and this and that. And, you know, and Sunday, three hours, bam, there you go again. You're not necessarily with those, you know, spending that time with those people. Mm -hmm. They go off to their classes or you go off to yours. And so, you know... I don't think it's apostate or I don't think I'm gonna get excommunicated for for saying that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. I really don't. And so, like, let's just one change, one change, Chris, was a good example. The church now says, well, we gotta have two deep leadership in interviews. Okay? This wasn't like it was a revelation from God. It should have always been that way. It it was a, a fault. It was a it was a dark part. Of our policy and our administration. This this wasn't like some revelation. We need to have two duty This all came as a result of a lawsuit with the MTC president. See what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But I'm sitting there celebrating because I don't want my daughters alone with men. I don't care how spiritual the men are. I don't care what their credentials or qualifications are. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. But let me just, let me give you two two pictures. This is just would be my my conclusion, two pictures. Okay. I know two men, they're best friends. They were best friends their whole life. And we talk in our faith, we talk a lot about the letter of the law and the spirit of the law, right? Mm -hmm. Well, I always think about these two friends whenever I'm thinking about, you know, church, church policy, commandments, uh, you know, things of that nature. I always think about these two best friends and they're probably in their seventies now. And I know them very well. I've known them my whole life. Well, one of them, I would say, lives the spirit of the law when it comes to the gospel and the gospel message and Jesus Christ and his ministry and so forth. He's generous. He's kind. He, he doesn't look down on people. He doesn't judge people. He's always the first to show up and help, um, selfless, so forth. The other person is also a good person, but that person is gets very, very stuck on the letter of the law, Okay always looking and pointing the finger at others, always saying, well, you can't do that. Oh, you did this, you did that. Shame, shame, shame. I don't know that he even really means to do it. It's just so much a part of him, it's just his normal. And constantly demonstrating how good and perfect he keeps the commandments, right? Mm -hmm. Look at me, I've never done this, I've never done that. I don't do this, I don't do that. You follow what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Letter, letter, letter of the law. Both are good people, Crystal, right? Both are good people. I know them both so well. They both do a lot of good. But as far as I can see, the person that, in terms of what is our mission, what's the church's mission, right? What is the mission of the church? my understanding of it, you know, is that our mission is to share the faith with other people and grow you know, the church base and, and share the gospel and grow the, the kingdom of God. And you see what I'm saying? Which of those individuals, in my opinion, is going to do a better job of that? Maybe it's not for me to judge, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe it's not for me to, maybe I'm being judgmental. But as far as I'm concerned, me, Sean, if I looked at those two individuals, if I looked at the one, I'd say, I can't be him. I can't, I can't measure up. I'm just not that, that good at being perfect or what have you, (laughs) I'm I'm not that good at, you know, crossing every T and dotting every I. I'm just not that person. Um, Not only that, I don't really wanna be that person that's constantly uh, governing others. I wanna let them live their lives. It's between them and God, right? Let them live their lives. But if I looked at this other person who I really think understands the spirit of the law, I would, I wanna belong and I wanna be involved and I I wanna be that person. Does that make
0: sense?
1: Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So that's where I'm coming from. That's Mm -hmm. where I'm coming from. But again, at a fundamental, you know, Mm -hmm. fundamental basis, I'm just trying to say over the years, you and I, we've had our challenges in marriage around these views, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. We have. Just being honest. Yeah. I've been right and I've been wrong. And you've maybe been right and you've been wrong. And maybe we've both been wrong. I don't know. Yeah. But the point is, it's okay right?
0: Yeah.
1: It's okay. Yeah. You know? It's alright. We can all belong.
0: Mm-hmm. As long
1: as we stop judging each other. And yeah. Pointing the fingers and gossiping about each other. You know, as long as we feel welcome.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, if I go to church, I don't want people to say, oh, you came this Sunday. It's good to see you finally.
0: <laughs> that is so. we much. were worried about you guys. We
1: were sure worried about you. I hadn't seen you lately.
0: <laughs> so stupid.
1: Like, rather, if someone's not coming often and they do show up, go get your hands around that person and hug them and love on them and say, I love it when you're here. I love seeing you. You're the bomb. You're the best. I can't, you know, how you been? How
0: are the kids? That's where it's at. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you. Wow. That was a really long episode. So thanks you guys for sticking around. I hope this message had a positive effect on you. I admire Sean's boldness. I'm not always as bold as he is. And I don't always agree with everything he says, but that's marriage. And we, like I said, we like to be real and authentic and open about our thoughts, our experiences, and the things that we struggle with. So thanks again, and I'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to the Wannabe Balanced podcast. Get access to free resources available at wannabebalanced.com. If you love the show, then leave a review or share it with a friend. Until next week.